Hello, welcome back to Beyond Miyazaki's World. This is Betty, and I also have my co-host. Hi, it's Avery. And I'm Brenton. Yay! So,、uh, in this episode, we will talk about Whisper of the Heart, directed by Yoshifumi Kondo. We also plan to have Sarah in this episode, but she happened cannot be here today. But we for sure invite her again in the future. But、um, yeah, before moving into the movie,、uh, this is. The reminder that we're going to spoil a lot of detail from the movie. So if you don't like spoilers, you can go watch the movie and come back to hear about our discussion later. But if you don't mind, we just go ahead and I'm gonna give it to Avery to do the summary of the movie. Yeah. Well, first off, I think we should address: Has Brenton been on one of these episodes? He's so new to this yeah, series. Yeah, he、so. is. He's very new to anime. I don't think he's been on this series before. But he did do an episode of Let's Talk Anime, which that should be out by the time this is out. So definitely go watch and listen to that、um, if you want to learn more about someone that's never watched anime before and is watching it for the first time. Do you have anything to say, Brenton? Yeah, no,、uh, it's definitely a new experience to、uh, watch something that like I've known about but like never had an interest in. But now、uh, I've started to watch like new series and things. So. It's been going good so far. Fabulous, yeah. So with that、um, set aside, I can get into a brief summary. So this time I was a little lazy, and so this is just one I got from Wik-、uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> so、uh, I'll add anything as needed. But so first off,、um, Whisper of the Heart is based on a manga with the same title,、um, and in the film it follows Shizuku, who is this very curious young girl, and she loves reading. And she longs to be a writer when she grows up. Although this isn't something she originally knows at the beginning of the film.、Uh, one day, she notices that all of her library books have been previously taken out by one named Seiji Amasawa, and so she is very kind of infatuated with this idea of this person that has read all the books she has had. So she really wants to meet him. And one day, she is chasing a cat, and、uh, along the way, she comes across this antique shop and makes friends with the owner, and that is where she actually meets Seiji. And so the story kind of follows uh, their, uh, I guess, like emergence of young love, and also Shizuku's journey as she has to find a way to believe in herself as she writes her first novel. But yeah, so that is my brief summary with a few additions that I added. Um, but yeah, so we usually start with the world building with their conversations. So, what was y'all's first impression of the movie? Impressions of the movie, you said? Yeah, just like any first impressions, more about like perhaps the art style or anything like that. Right. So、uh, to begin, we had started.、Uh, we were like all together watching、um, like the first part of the movie and the Japanese version. Um, and then Avery like later on went onto the English dub, but I watched it all the way through with the Japanese version. And I, at first, I didn't know where the theme was going. Like I didn't know, you know, I just I saw this young girl that likes reading and kind of gets mad that there's somebody that want, reads the same books as her and things like that. But I didn't know where this was leading to until I went back this morning and watched it through and kind of figured out what was going on. But yeah, I mean, I. I Really like the the movie. Maybe something、uh, I personally maybe w- would have had like just if I read like that little summary you did,、uh, maybe it wouldn't have been like piqued my interest. But when I started watching it, there was a lot of cool things about it. Like some of the art that was mentioned、um, was like there's a scene where、uh, 
they're like she's kind of like imagining like where she wants to lead her story and like she's like flying with the baron which we'll definitely get into uh who that is and things like that but uh then it like com- comes back to reality where she's like running down the stairs and it was a really cool scene uh if you know what i'm talking about but i don't know the initial thoughts like i, I definitely enjoyed it um something a little different for me but it, cool theme overall so yeah, I really like that scene too, the like cinematography of how it transitioned from up in the sky. And it makes sense that it's up in the sky because it's kind of like her lofty imagination and it has a lot to do with her goals and dreams. Um, and then just to kind of shift down back to reality, like the setup of that metaphorically made sense. It, like it looked cool and it metaphorically made sense. So I, yeah, I really enjoyed that scene actually. That was, I think, one of my favorite shots. Same here. I also love that scene so much. Besides some slide of life scene, like in this movie, I think we have this discussion before that most of Chipley movie have a lot of like slow moments where we just like have people walking. There's one scene I remember, um, she walked through, walked by that house and the dog keep like barking at her. Like it repeat like differently, also depend on her mood too. At first she was really like um, happy so she tried to wave at the dog, and she doesn't care. But when she go through something, like, after the confession of one of the classmates, her mood just, like, changed. And at the same scene, she walked back home, but she just look doesn't care about anything. But the, sh- the scene just, like, go through quite long for me, in opinion. It's just, like, a slight of life. Like, it's depend on the mood. But, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely an iconic thing we get with a lot of these Ghibli films is this, mo- the those scenes where it's just everything is very slow but romanticized. It's not necessarily boring because um, there's still a lot to take in, especially with that world building component because during these slow scenes, we get to see a lot about the character but also the setting around her. And I something that I noticed that this movie um, was definitely did and was really interesting is that Previous Ghibli films we have watched, uh, when they take place in Japan, they're usually in the rural countryside, and they're romanticizing kind of like that slow um, rural lifestyle. And then whenever we get Ghibli films that take place in more of bustling cities like Kiki's Delivery Service, Hell's Moving Castle, they're European-based. I believe this is the first film that we have watched where it is um, urban Japan and not rural Japan. So I thought that was really interesting just to kind of absorb like the architecture and there was so much detail into the layout of the city and the different buildings like I was surely like he had to have gone somewhere to you know like actually take all this in and get inspiration from it because it was just so detailed um even something as small as like uh, a roundabout they had like a roundabout where the um the dog is like it was one of those I, I think roundabout is what they call it in England I don't know what it's called here like cul-de-sac you're talking about no not a cul-de-sac it's um it's a roundabout i don't know yeah, it's, it's just like a, a bush where you go around and i know what you mean but <laughs> yeah, i don't know what it's called either roundabout in american english let's see do they not just call it roundabout too oh a traffic circle have you heard of that yeah. Okay, I guess that's what they're called. I don't know. I thought that it might my, my Siri is British. So she's always like go around the roundabout. <laughs> oh, another thing we forgot to mention was who directed this film. I did mention. You did? did? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, my bad. I don't I spaced out, I guess. But yeah, I was just going to say so this is like did you mention that this is the only Ghibli film 
that he's directed. No, I didn't mention that part, but I mentioned his name. So. Okay, okay, good. Just making sure we establish that. But uh, just something to note, if you liked the art style and the cinematography of this film, he also worked on Kiki's Delivery Service uh, and, what was it, Only Yesterday and Princess Mononoke. And I will say, like, with Kiki's Delivery Service, I feel like it makes sense. I haven't seen Only Yesterday yet, but... Um, I know from your perspective, do you think only yesterday and then like the animation we get here is it similar in any ways? Yeah, I feel like it's pretty similar, especially about like slap light scenes. It's very similar and it's also give a vibe of nostalgic. So I think like it's very unique. And when you mentioned he also um, took part in only yesterday, I can see the connection. But we get there when we watch the movie, and okay. I. I hopefully, hopefully you can feel the same way too, but that's what in my perspective. Very excited for that one. Yeah, so any other notes on the setting of the movie? Mm, I kind of like um, the way her house is portrayed. It's just like very, it's messy, but it's not really messy. Like it's just like packed with a lot of like books and newspaper. It's also portrayed like, why she so like into reading books that much so right she definitely has to get some sort of inspiration from her household um i also like the simple fact of of the laundry because it was just like kind of always like situated in a certain place like i i guess like with ghibli movies they just pay attention to like the small details like that does it matter that the family is doing their laundry or that the dad is smoking in the house and the mom doesn't want him to doesn't matter that um shizuku and her sister are sharing a room and it's like a bunk bed no like the it, it's just little small details but it all like really adds together to kind of create their family unit and their family setting which their family unit is a lot more different than like her friends for example because we also did get to see her house and the dynamic and the way her household was set up was completely different and it's just kind of the little small details like that that just always make me smile um, you can just tell that uh, Ghibli movies, they really try to focus in on what makes their characters unique in mundane ways, not just in fantastical ways. And I, I think, I, I'm probably thinking uh, outside of maybe the like director's like, mindset, but I'm just going to pretend that he thought the same way. But um, I, I take, the, you said the small details, I think of like her desk as something, because in the beginning, um, it was like kind of like a clean like slate. There was, like, nothing there. And then by the time we get to, like, the middle of the movie, like, it's, like, literally, yeah, it's covered in books. Maybe because, like, she's having to decide, like, oh, do I actually want to take, like, this serious, you know, so I can get into high school or, like, you know, also prepping for her, like, little, uh, her story. But also maybe it could be, like, some figurative thing. Like, she's got so much on her plate and she's got, like, all these, like, books and, like, she's, like, overwhelmed and stuff. And, like, there's, like, books all over the floor and stuff. But by the time she kind of figures out, no, this is my story, like, her desk kind of gets, like, cleared up a little bit. So that's kind of like maybe my small detail I'm just going to make up along the way, but it kind of just like, it makes sense to me, like like as a, as a story progression kind of art kind of thing. That's a great observation. I don't know if I actually noticed that. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I noticed that too. And I just noticed that because I feel some similarity to myself during this final thing. Like my desk was really organized before finals. It's like a mess now, but I feel related. <laughs> But, yeah, I noticed that one. But I don't see from that perspective. So it's really interesting to hear. Yeah, because, I mean, 
to to me it's like a literal sense like yeah she's got all these books because you know it's like she wants to learn more and all that stuff but also it's like that could be a way to kind of look at like this is a young girl that doesn't know what she wants to do kind of thing so definitely it's it's so interesting because now that y'all pointed out like i definitely see it and i see how that would happen in pretty much anyone's life you know just sometimes when you're more of going through it or you're just having to focus on certain things you don't always prioritize uh like just basic chores around the house that you need to get done like her mother does yell at her for like not doing the laundry (laughs) um so just like little details like that kind of gives us a glimpse into her mindset but also makes her feel real like ghibli is really good at taking these characters and making them feel so like complex and three-dimensional um and they don't have to go out of their way to like add some I don't know, crazy, like, traumatic uh, backstory to get us to care about this character, you know? We care about her because we have observed her and just kind of seen her little day-to-days, like, she feels so real. And another thing to talk about world-building, which I know Betty is going to have opinions on, is the shop, the antique shop. Do you Mm want to talk about that? Yeah, so I put it in the world-building because I love how it's um, decorated. So at first, I thought it's like someone's house. And I think everybody also think the same thing. So it's decorated very like unique way. It's it looks fancy, but it's also look cozy at the same time. So I kind of like how um, detail they put in portraying each things in the antique shop. It's just like very fancy. It also have some Western f- um, like architect feelings too combine with like the Japanese in architecture that we have in this movie so yeah I really love the shop yeah that's very true and my understanding is that he's just kind of collected these antique items during his travels so a lot of them are European or just non-Japanese artifacts and like it does make it interesting since it's um in Japan to kind of see like I don't know, they, they just think it's these little amazing little trinkets. Um, and I like the grandfather clock. That was one of my favorite things in the shop. And kind of the little story that goes along with the clock that really just adds more depth to the film. Um, which I'll, we should probably save that for later because that will be a part of a different theme. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah. Do you guys have any other notes on the world building? Just a small one you mentioned that like because i initially i thought yeah she just wandered in like into somebody's house but then we figured out it's like an actual store and stuff but when she kept going back to like visit him and then like obviously the store uh it did have that sense of like it is a home because like it was comforting like i mean he was kind of like hey like it's cold like come over here by the fire you know it was kind of like just a comforting thing because obviously he's kind of got his like own little small uh background that we like kind of figured out like towards the end of the movie and stuff so i just thought that was like pretty neat because yeah i was like why is this girl wandering like into a house and then all of a sudden we find out yeah it's not a house it's a store but no that that was a good good little thing for me right yeah no i agree especially the scene um where they're eating noodles because we always talk about how ghibli will have these moments where the characters are eating together and it just emphasizes that it's a time for family and friends to kind of share with each other and uh, just have like these really wholesome moments. And so I would say we definitely get that scene here. Uh, And it does make the shop feel more like a home since it is both. Um, Yeah, that was, I really liked that scene. And -hmm. also it looks yummy. Yeah, (laughs) I'm always looking forward for eating scene in Ghibli movie because it looks somehow very mundane, but also like aesthetic. So, right. Love it. Yeah, and something that just popped in my head, I just kind of find it funny. She ate at 
his place more often than she ate at home because like usually she'd be like no i'm not hungry or like ah, i'm not uh, i'm chilling kind of thing but like she was eating those noodles there so it's i don't know it's just it's a small little thing that i just found funny like she was eating at his place more than she, she was eating at home but mm, yeah that's interesting because um i feel like that's gonna change after the conversation with the parents about her grades so i feel like maybe it's on purpose that she felt like um, the story just like more comfortable for her to be herself rather than at home because she need that process to develop herself throughout the movie so yeah I think also that so up until that point she had been skipping meals a lot because she's working really hard on finishing her novel and so she had finally turned in the novel and received feedback and so I feel like her having that like really hearty meal right after that just kind of showed like the buildup of her. I, I think there was like somewhere between that where she needed to recognize that, you know, you can be really passionate and dedicated to something, but you still need to eat. And so it was nice that like the grandpa figure, he kind of, you know, he's like, I, I need to take care of this girl. I, I would imagine that he might see her as a grandchild figure or something like that. And so, yeah, the food scene was really wholesome because um, I think he was recognizing that like she was pushing herself too hard and she just needed a good meal to feel better. Yep, I love it. And another detail I want to brought up is, I don't know if you guys noticed, but it's very small detail. But um, at the beginning of the movie, there's a part where she just opened a window or something and look up the sky. There's an airship, and it just have the the phrase like "Have a nice day." Mm-hmm. And right after that, Shizuku just like really excited to start her day. And I was like, okay, Omi, that's so cute. cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she'll take little small moments and let it kind of make her day. But yeah, I think with that, I think we can wrap up the world building section unless y'all have anything else. All right. What theme should we move on to next? I'll let you pick, Betty. I don't know. Do you guys want to talk more about the characters or stick to the theme? We could talk about would it make sense to cover Shizuku's passion first or maybe the young love of her and Seiji? Let's talk about the love first. Because yeah, I feel like I it's, it's like a motivation for her development. So. Yeah. Okay, let's definitely start with that. So, initial, or initial, what is going on, essentially. So, she has been checking out these books and notices that someone else named Seiji Amasawa has checked out all these books before her. And so, it's interesting. We kind of see, like, this very, it's just a very very middle school love. Like, it's it's very cute. Um, And she's just, like, I feel like, because she reads a lot of fantasy books, right? So, when she sees this boy's name in all of these books she's reading, I feel like she kind of starts, like, trying to imagine, like, you know, who is this guy? He's, I feel like he's kind of like this Prince Charming figure in her head. Um, but then she later finds out that this boy is this boy she's interacted with before, um, who she did not quite like. They did not get off to a good start. Um, he teases her because she writes a song. Um, well, Country Road. <laughs> so random that they use that. Like, um, they used the song Country Road and she was trying to like translate it into Japanese so she had to change some of the words and then she made like a little parody song it was Concrete Roads because she lives in like urbanized Tokyo um, so he teases her for this song and then there's another 
um, scene, I think, where he also kind of teases her again. So she originally does not like him. So when she finds out that he is the boy that she's been very curious about with the book, she's very conflicted at first. Yeah, it was the scene where she left the food behind that she was going to deliver to her dad. And, like, he rode in on, on the bike with the cat and was like, like, oh, you're eating all this by yourself? Like, <laughs> just a funny moment. But. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just feel like it's, it's very cute. And I, I feel like all those details just foreshadow what the boy feel about her. Because we gradually figure it out at the end of the movie. Like, he also had a crest on her. So that's the reason why he did all those things. It just reminds me of like middle school kind of love when you tease someone because you has a crush on her. So just like very cute. Yeah, that's exactly what it was because it wasn't like he was being too harsh about it. It was pretty harmless for the most part. Um, and it makes sense that she would be kind of feisty. I just feel like that's just how you are at that age where um, you don't like, I don't know, it's just more of a pull, pull and take kind of thing. I don't know, I just feel like middle school is really that time where you're just kind of like you know you're both a little insecure you know and it's kind of hard to act on emotions and recognize it so sometimes you go about it in a bit of an awkward or teasing kind of way so we don't that's definitely what happened neither one of them are straightforward with their feelings um but it's kind of cute the way it develops um so i think another thing that maybe we should talk about before we get into her and seiji specifically is um, what is his name? Sugimara? Is that mm-hmm. his name? Yeah, so Sugimara. So basically, the film actually starts off by kind of focusing on um, Shizuku and her friend. What's her friend's name? Yuko. 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 Yeah. And Yuko has a crush on this boy named Sugimara. And to me, the, the, the kind of love triangle, I guess, between the three. Now, that was probably the most middle school love aspect, in my opinion. Because um, <laughs> Yuko likes Sugimara, but Sugimara likes Shizuku. So... They kind of have, like, this, uh, you know, well, so at first, uh, Shizuku's kind of, like, always teasing Sugimara and, like, kind of trying to be a wing woman for her friend, uh, but then it gets to the point where uh, she realizes, so she transitions from being, like, he's so dense, he's so dense. She keeps calling him dense because uh, he doesn't recognize that Yuko likes him, but then when she finds out that he had a crush on her this whole time, she transitions from he's so dense to I'm so dense. And, yeah, I just, I don't know. And I like the scene wherever they have that confession and they're, like, outside in nature. I don't really know where they were supposed to be. But, I don't know. Did y'all, what do y'all think about that scene? I feel like, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's honestly a very typical scene where you're about to confess your love in somewhere, like, only two people in a place. In most of anime movies I watch. I watch a lot of romance, so maybe that's why. But I feel like, I don't know. Like, honestly, I just want to talk about Yuko's problem. It just turned out, like, some emotion driving that the boy also confessed his love to the girl because he, in the same way, doesn't want her to feel, like, misunderstood about the situation. So, yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Brenton? Yeah, because wasn't he basically, like, like, because he played baseball, they showed in the beginning scene. Wasn't he like trying to get um, Shizuku's friend, um, like someone, like he was like basically like here's a message from one of my friends, like trying to like get them together. Wasn't that uh, something like that? So yeah, it's just kind of funny. Yeah, like the word dense was used so much um, by uh, Shizuku that 
yeah, it becomes funny that he was like, oh, I, I realize I'm the dense one because I didn't realize you liked me, and I've been trying to get you with my friend kind of thing. So, I don't know, just, yeah, it was very middle school-like. They both definitely have their moments of realization where they're like, oh, my gosh, I've been misunderstanding everything this whole time. Um, I do feel kind of bad for him because <laughs> uh, we do see later Seiji comes to talk to Shizuku while she's in class and all the kids are making a big deal out of it. They're like, a boy's here to talk to Shizuku and his face. Everyone's like excited and like being gossipy except him. His yeah, face he was looks... mad. Like, that's why I kind of feel <laughs> like, I mean, like at, at that point, because like he was like pretty important in the beginning, but like by the end, like he's not ever, ever mentioned kind of thing, but I, you know, I just felt like, yeah, like, the last moments we get of him, he's, like, he's just mad, because, like, that... Was the... he mad, or was he sad? I think both. Probably both. No. I think his face was mad, but he's probably, like, like mm-hmm. upset, like, because mm-hmm. it, it probably just happened, probably, like, in that time sequence, like, just very recently, so it's, like, it's gonna be kind of an issue that <laughs> a guy shows up for her when he likes her. Right. Yeah, that's true. So I guess, yeah, unless y'all have any more comments about him, we can get back to the main couple. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's move on to the main one. The main couple, yeah. So I just didn't want to mention that because it kind of gives context. But, uh, yeah, so I, they don't get off on the right foot, which we kind of already talked about. And she's so she's so stubborn, and she, like, has, like, these little outbursts at him at first. But I think that's how a lot of these little middle school relationships start off is where you, like, don't hate each other, but, like, you just, I don't know, you just, like, pick on each other. I don't, I don't know what it is about that stage of people's lives where that's just how you act. Maybe it's part of, like, n- the inability to be vulnerable at that age. Like, you're not really mature enough to just, you know, own up to your feelings in a normal way. And so you, you get a little, like, guarded about it, a little stubborn. But, um, yeah. So we kind of see a change in their relationship, though, whenever he... Whenever she comes to the shop again and he is making a violin downstairs, that's when we see a lot of, like, shift in their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about their relationship. It's just, like, very typical teen love. It's just cute because see how um, they're feeling to each other. Also motivate them to figure out what they want to do, what they might be good at, and what the future they will have. So just, I just have some um, comparison between uh, how Seiji react to their relationship compared to Suzuku because Suzuku when she figured out about okay he also have the same feeling to me, but what what can I do? Like I took note about um, the question that Yuko asked her when she came to the house and say like. Um, she's so confused about what's going on, like between those two after the confession in the, like upstairs of the school. The roof. Yeah. Yeah. So she, um, Yuko asked her, like, um, so what? So you cannot be in love without having your future planned out. So it's just like she's so confused about what's going to be next. But Seiji seemed very like already go with the flow, like he know he will somehow balance between like her uh, his feeling to suzuku suzuku <laughs> suzuku and also um figure out his future like wanting to be um the one who make the violence so i just feel like those two just add to their self development and i don't think it's much about love theme but it just like 
I love how they support each other in that way. But I, that's definitely the best thing about love, I think, uh, is being able to find someone that um, su- not only supports you, but challenges you to grow yourself and develop. And I definitely feel like we see that here. Like, they motivate each other to be better. Um, Shizuku obviously learns that maybe she took it a little too far because she gets very burnt out and she's, like, not uh, working on her academics at all or really paying attention to her family. But, uh, you know, they eventually come round and I think they both kind of, like, learned a lot through knowing each other and I think that's kind of the beautiful aspect of their relationship because they're in middle school. Are they actually going to get married? Because <laughs> he did say, Will you, do you think we'll get married one day? Like, that was so cute. Will they actually get married? I don't know, but I don't really feel like that was the point of the movie it was just showing how you can have like these interactions it doesn't matter if they last forever or if they're very short but those kind of connections with others is really what can make an impact on you long term regardless if that interaction sustains through mm-hmm. a long time you know yeah yeah because they both obviously have uh their talents and and their passions and stuff because uh for Shizuku, she was so impressed with that like that initial scene you mentioned earlier about him like making all these violins. He was in the uh, he was making one as she was there. Like she was so impressed with it, but he was kind of like, ah, "This is just what I do. This is like oh those violins behind me. That's just a class." Like he was kind of just like pawning off something he was so passionate. And kind of same thing with her. She was so focused on making like the perfect story, and he, she had all these like influences like oh you're doing good like, but, like all this stuff that th- those two kind of just didn't know that their passion was like being accredited for for like for themselves but they were getting like you know the motivation between each other like oh you're doing good like that this is perfect i love the violin like things like that so like that there's probably is another complex to what started like probably why they liked each other from that point you know what i'm realizing and it kind of has to do with what you just mentioned him uh liking the violins because i was like imagining um him working on it you know who it reminded me of um so, Brendan's not going to understand this reference, unfortunately, but Kiki's Delivery Service, uh, w- I forgot her name, but the girl who lived in the woods that was an artist mm-hmm. reminded me a lot of Seiji, or just maybe, like, the ideas of this movie, being able to, like, embrace your artistry and just be very passionate about it, because um, you just see characters, whenever they talk about what they're interested in, like, him talking about wanting to go study in Italy, like, his face just completely lights up, um, and so, I don't know, it's really sweet. It just kind of reminded me, that, so the interaction between Seiji and Shizuku sometimes reminded me of interactions between Kiki and her friend. Yeah, I can see the connection. Like, I love, mm, like, some aura that you have when you really into something and then passionately focus on that. So I really love that. And I also love how it's become the motivation to someone else to do the same. So Yeah, he inspired her. I think that's really beautiful. Um, and it, it's interesting that he inspired her because, you know, like, like Brenton said, like, he's just like, oh, anyone can do that. I'm not doing anything special. Uh, yet, you know, it doesn't, his, uh, insecurity or I guess doubt in himself doesn't really impact Shizuku in believing in him and also like being inspired from him as well. Um, and when they played together, I thought it was so cute. And then they have, um, all the other guys like joined in. <laughs> it was so cute. Yeah. I took note, like, um, I just put an emoji of the heart. On at a scene where they all play <laughs> together, like it's so peaceful, but it's also like fun at the moment, and it also add up to the idea of the store like a home, like it's actually a home where you have fun with the people who love you and you also love them. So 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was a really beautiful scene, I think, for that reason. And then also because, as mentioned earlier, this is kind of the turning point in their relationship where they decide they're going to be cordial with each other. and that, Or at least Shizuku decides to be cordial and that she likes him after all. Because um, I, I do remember Seiji at one point said something like, oh, really, you read too many fairy tales. Because was, he was, like, I guess upset that he didn't match the expectations of who this Seiji Yamasawa was going to be. Because after they play, wasn't that when that was revealed? Because I believe the, the grandfather was like, oh, Seiji. And she was like, you're Seiji? And she was so upset about it. Because, mm-hmm. like, in her mind, she's like, no, you don't match this Prince Charming vision I had. Or, you know, whatever she was thinking. Uh, but, you know, I, I feel like she had a good time, though, getting to know him as a real person before she even knew that he was the person that had been reading the books. Um, so I think it's good that they met and, like, actually, like, had that connection with playing the violin and her singing before she found out. Because then she got to see him as a real person without kind of, like, her fantasies or uh, perceptions, you know, getting in the way of that. Yeah, I also love how it's going to add up to another quote from the librarian later on, like, it's rare, Suzuku written nonfiction. So I just feel like it's also motivate her to have a balance between, like, her dreamland also to reality. Yeah, and get out of her comfort zone, for sure. Um, I think that's what, like, that was one of the biggest things she learned from him was that, you know, it's if you want to be good at something, sometimes you have to be willing to, like, get out of your comfort zone and really work towards it. So that was really beautiful. Um, And so Seiji does end up going to Italy to study for two months. It did not feel like two months, obviously, in the movie, because, like, they they didn't even really do a montage to illustrate that it had been two months. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He just, like, came back. Um, And, ooh, let's talk about that scene when they reunite, because it's so cute. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love it so much. Like, it's so cute. Like, I'm calling your name in my head, and you just appear. It's, it's, It's so magical. I was like, it's so cute. Oh, my gosh. But. Did he say it's so magical? Did he say that? In the dub. Okay, yeah, no, that's great, because I just, I'm connecting that, like, because whenever she is first, like, interacting with him in the violin uh, basement downstairs, and she says something like, oh, it's so magical that you can do this, and he's like, oh, don't, don't say things like that that's corny, or whatever he says to her. So I, I don't I don't I didn't remember him saying that. So I think that's interesting because it kind of shows that he also has been changed by her. Maybe he can dream a little more and not be so hard on himself. Yeah, that's so cute. And yeah, yeah. so she uh, sees Seiji and she immediately runs out. I was like, girl, didn't get ready or nothing because I'm sorry, I at least would have needed to brush my teeth. <laughs> she ran out that door. She like knocked everything out of the way and like looked back and like. Mm. I can mess with that later. I got, like, something to go to. Did she lock the door? Like, <laughs> like all she, the, I had all these questions. She, she was at least uh, considered because she slowly closed the door since it was, like, so early in the morning. But yeah, at least that. was conscious about that. <laughs> but, yeah, she she had one thing on her mind, and she just went out there. Yeah, no jacket, no nothing, but it worked out because he ends up giving her uh, his jacket, and it's cute. And I like how she's like, no, you're going to get cold. I'll go get mine. But he was like, no. I'm like, ah, so middle school. He totally, like was like, no, I want her to wear my jacket kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so cute. And it's also cute, like, in the following scene where they go up the hill and they support each other this time, like, physically, not just, like, emotionally, like, throughout the first part of the movie. So I love it so much. Absolutely. I wrote a quote for that one. I wrote, so he said, I decided to climb up this hill with you on it. So he had, like, planned it out, which I thought was funny. And then she goes, 
if I'm going with you, I'm going to help you. Uh, and she mentions not wanting to be a burden or a hindrance. You know, she's kind of showing, like, you know, if, if we're going to be together, like, we're going to work together. You know, I don't want you, I don't want there to be this expectation that you just take care of everything. If you're going to put in effort, I want to put in effort because we're, we're meant for each other is kind of their whole thing. Um, very, yeah, very sweet. And I, I think also the fact that they're both artists, so she wants to be a writer and he wants to be a violin maker, really just, like, emphasizes that they can get inspired from each other and support each other because they kind of understand what it's like to take on a profession that is, I, I, I want to say risky. I think it's hard to make a decision to want to go into a field like that um, because you you don't have, like, I guess a safety net that like, oh, at least I have this degree that I can get a job with. Like, you know, choosing to be a professional writer, a professional violin maker, like that is that is a choice, you know, and you have to really have, I think, some sort of like dedication to be able to take um, a challenge like that on. So, yeah, they definitely need each other for that reason. And they understand each other because they're both kind of following a similar career path. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then kind of like one of the last things we get with them is that he takes her to the place where he says like, um, inspires him, um, and I thought that was really beautiful, and that kind of connects to the fact that they're both artists. He wanted to share, he wanted to share a place where he finds inspiration as an artist with her to hopefully inspire her as well. Uh, little does he know, she's already inspired by him. Um, but you know, it, it was just really sweet, and they have a lot of good dialogue there. So I have one. Shizuku tells him, "I'm glad I pushed myself. I've learned a lot about myself. I realize I need a lot more schooling, so I don't mind doing what it takes to go to high school." And then he also um, adds on to that that he also wants to go to high school, too. So we do see, like, future plans for their relationship. Um, and then he just comes out of nowhere with, like, the whole, I want to marry you one day. And it was... <laughs> is that is that what they say in the dub? Because in, in Japanese, it's, they say, like, would you marry me? Yeah, like, it was straight <laughs> up. I, I, I thought he was, like, like in that moment, like, asking. I was like, what the? But he was, like, yeah, talking about the future. But, yeah, in the Japanese version, like, will you marry me? Whoa. That is so funny because in the dub, I think he says something like, um, what does he say? He just goes, can you see us getting married someday? And then he hugs her and goes, I love you. <laughs> it is so cute, but it's so silly too. You, you know why I feel like it's probably different? Because I think in Japanese culture, there's definitely this big emphasis on like these love stories where you have a big confession moment. And I think in American culture, that's just definitely not the thing. Like, you just kind of start date or talking. You start talking, and somewhere along there, you start dating. Whereas in Japanese culture, like, there's a definitive, like, line. Like, I confess my love to you. We are now together kind of thing. Whereas definitely American culture is kind of more, like, I don't know, gradual, like, in informal. It just, like, kind of happens at some point. There's usually not, like, this big, full-blown confession. So maybe that's why they dubbed it the way they did. Because maybe they thought it was too forward. Um... But, yeah, I don't yeah. know, just interesting differences. Yeah, no, I think it's interesting, too, because I don't think it's American, but it reminds me of one small scene from Encanto uh, where the the guy who supposed to marry, like, Mirabelle's sister, I forgot her name. Isabella. Yeah, Isabella, and turned out to confess to um, Dolores. Mm -hmm. He just, like, let's get married, and Dolores just, like, uh, it's too soon. So just like it's just like kind of feeling that's so strong that you want to say it. I don't know what's going on, but it's funny, so cute. Yeah, he felt very motivated in that moment to say that because that was bold. I'm kind of proud of homeboy. I don't know if many people would have the ability to say that. 
Mm-hmm. In middle school. <laughs> in middle school. But it's, yeah, it's just, it's adorable because it's very, like, that is, that's just something I feel like you would say in middle school. I don't know. And, like, I feel like for some people, their reflections on their dating in middle school, like, can be so cringe. It's like, oh, my gosh. Like, they just remember, like, the awkward times. Like, I think for Shizuku, something that would be awkward is remembering that she never recognized Sugimara's crush up until later. Um, but you can still have, like, good memories as well. Um, I don't think I personally had any, like, oh, this was my great middle school love, but, I mean, I think that that's okay. You don't need to have that. You can still have moments where you just connect with people, regardless if it's romantic or platonic. Like, I definitely, there was definitely some people in middle school that I think impacted me on, like, the way I am today. Like, my best friend, Destiny, I met her in middle school, so, I don't know. Very, it, it can be a very defining, um, part of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we can move on. Um, so we can kind of talk more about maybe her um, passion and like her transition from being more like just obsessed with a goal to actually recognizing like if this is something I love, I need to have fun with it. I can't just burden myself uh, with ridiculous expectations. So we do know at the very beginning, we know she likes reading. So like that's established pretty quickly. And I will say before seeing this movie, I thought that was her thing, like that she was a super studious student, but it's actually the opposite. She like doesn't study because all she wants to do is read fantasy books. Yeah, that surprised me too when I first watched it. it but I feel the same because in middle school, I also read a lot of like romance novels. So I was like, it's so common. And it's also in your dreamy land, like, you're just dreaming about everything. So, yeah, but I also love the aesthetic of how she's sitting in the table just to read without studying, but it's also give the vibe of, like, studying. So, I don't know, it's just, like, interesting. Yeah, I always thought she was studying, but now I know that she was just, like, obsessed with fantasy books, so it's really interesting. Because, actually, I saw a lot of myself in her, because that was so me in middle school, where uh, I just, like, could not put books down. That's when I probably read the most in my life. And I read, um, like, the so I actually read fantasy, too, or maybe, like, fairy tale, dystopian, I read a lot. But uh, I read, uh, what is it called, the Lunar Chronicles, which is, like, twisted fairy tales. And so it takes, like, uh, for example, the first one is about Cinderella, and it's kind of puts a spin on the story. I remember being obsessed with that, and I, like, wouldn't do my homework because I wanted to just keep reading. And I think my parents would, like, be like, you, why are you still up? Go to bed because I would be reading, stuff like that. So, I don't know, kind of, I saw myself in her, and it kind of, you know, makes you, like, maybe yearn for a time where you had more time and like I don't know less responsibilities to be able to like do that and even then she did have responsibilities but uh they weren't too big to where she couldn't like not have time for reading so yeah yeah it was just nice to kind of see her so interested in it and then also I also tried to write a book in middle school me too I'm just like this is me you did too I tried to write a book I even analyzed the character I want to be in the books like very detailed that's but so the book great. never finished so. me neither and you know that's okay she did finish her book so good, good job, job. <laughs> good job what about you Brunson any aspirations in middle school yeah I don't know about writing books but I always like oh uh, because I kind of lost my passion for reading uh kind of like at the end of middle school but yeah, I always like uh, always had a, a vivid imagination of like reading certain things and be like, nah, that's pretty dope. I ain't gonna lie, but 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Just just young people trying to figure out like what they want to do and and have some fun with it because you know some of the stuff. Yeah, it's not gonna be realistic, but some of the stuff like you can take away kind of like you relate it to some of the stuff you like in your dating life or whatever it is. You know, you can kind of just have some fun with it. So. Absolutely. Yeah, such a such a cute story. Um, I really enjoyed the theme just because it, it really does speak to that young aspect of ourself that even though we're in our 20s now, it's like, do I feel like I know where my life is heading? Because, um, you know, she's experiencing this in middle school, which is kind of, I would say, like that initial time where you start pondering, wait, what am I even doing with my life? What am I going to do? Um, and, like, we're in college now, and I don't know, I still ask myself the same thing sometimes, but, you know, watching a movie like this just shows that you don't have to have it all figured out, that it's all a part of the process. Any experience is good experience. Mm-hmm. It remind me of um, the conversation between her and her sister when they talk about, like, hey, how do you know what you're going to do? And the sister just answered, you figure it out in at the university, I think so. I don't have a quote, but that's basically what she say, like... You don't know yet. You just go with it and figure it out on the way. Exactly. I, I love that because it just shows you don't have to have this like crazy detailed plan now. You don't need to know every step towards like this future you might want. Like sometimes it's just better to just go with the flow. Like, you know, maybe you see a cat on a train and you just follow the cat and then that leads you on to more adventures. As happens with Shizuku, obviously. Um, actually, I believe when she first follows the cat, she says, and it felt like the start of a story. And it was. It was the start of her story. Yeah. And I think not even just Shizuku and Seiji, like, I think a lot of people also kind of figure out what they want to do because, like, her sister, like, even even if it's not a definitive thing, she moved out. Like, she, like, was like, oh, I'm, you know, I don't really got it figured out, but I'm going to plan on moving out. I've been saving up from my job all this money and stuff, so... Uh, not even just like the main two that we always follow like the other people are kind of like as the story goes they kind of figure out themselves like you know what what am I going to do with my life too yeah you just sometimes you just got to be um curious I think and willing to take risks um yeah I don't know I just feel like that's really the main point we get from there sometimes you just have to you know, maybe you have, like, an intuition, a gut feeling, or even just an inkling of inspiration. Sometimes you just got to see where it goes, you know? Because the worst thing that's going to happen is maybe whatever you end up trying out, you end up not liking. And that's okay, because now you know, hey, maybe I'll try something completely different, because I didn't enjoy that. So kind of goes with the any experiences, good experiences. You, like, learn what you like and what you don't like. Nothing is going to be a, quote, like, waste of time. Everything, I think, is worth it because it shapes you into who you end up becoming. So, yeah, it's very cute. Uh, I have, like, so many quotes from her just being like, what a, what a find, a place where stories start. That's when she gets to the shop. She definitely talks a lot about, like, oh, this feels like a story. <laughs> this is a story. Yeah. I don't know what to say more because I feel like it fits so well with what we already go through and it's so cute. It's just like so nostalgic for me too. Like I've been through like all the process. Like when we talk about the writing story part, it also so nostalgic too. Yeah. So uh, just a little detail to bring up then since we're kind of, we've kind of beat a lot of these themes. 
um, to death already, um, is the I the fact that the story she ends up writing, which I didn't realize she was going to write a whole novel. I thought she was writing, like, a short story. <laughs> so I was pretty shocked when she shows up with, like, this, like, huge, like, novel. Um, but she calls it Whisper of the Heart. And I don't know. I, I like, that was interesting. I didn't know how they were going to incorporate the name of the title into it. And maybe we can talk about that for a moment, Whisper of the Heart. Like, what does that name mean to the film? It's not something I really thought about until now. Mm-hmm. I have not thought about that, too. Well, I'll just say right off the bat, maybe to inspire some thinking. Um, so, the heart. We know that there's kind of this emphasis on following your passion. And I think that has a lot to do with your heart. Like, your what you love is in your heart. And so, I kind of, I don't know. I feel like Whisper of the Heart, the heart thing could be talking about you know her her incredible like love for reading and wanting to be a writer but also her love for seiji so like we kind of have two loves going on that could be in her heart and then i'm like whisper of the heart is that maybe like sometimes you just have to like listen to like the quietest little inkling in your heart and just follow it and see where it goes because that's something we were already kind of talking about is that sometimes you just have to like take hold of a string and just like see where it ends up I guess, you know? Yeah, I'm going to build off that. Like, I agree that, uh, like, it it could mean two, like, I mean, it could mean two different things, like her her heart and, like, her love for, like, writing and obviously by the end, stagey. But uh, I wanted to think that, like, uh, this whisper is, yeah, like, her internal, like, like self. Like, this is, like, what I want to follow. Because she had a lot of influences, her sister, her, her parents, everybody was just, like, like, you got to go to high school. Like, you know, like, you know, you have your passions, but you got to go to high school. And even though in the end she's like, okay, I'm going to focus on my studies and stuff since she got her story, like, kind of figured out. Like, she knew what she wanted, not what others wanted her to do. So I guess maybe it could be something like that. Yeah, like, the whisper is, like, herself. But, like, she just had to had to hear herself out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also add on to, I agree that it's maybe, like, the whisper of her heart, like, what she wants to do. But I also think of the other aspect like you also listen to what other people cares about youtube because it remind me of the scene where the father just talked about um is that what you actually want to do and he has a quote that i wrote down uh give me a moment so he supposed her with what she want to do but he emphasized that you only have yourself to blame so just like i feel like you also listen to what you want to do, but you also need to listen to what other talk about your decision to make the best one in your life. So it's it just like the whisper of the heart, like so many whispers. So choose what you need to listen the most, maybe. Yeah, I could see something like that for sure, because I do feel like this film... Uh, part you know while it's while a lot of it is about following your passion it it's also about not sacrificing your well-being for your passion so there is some sort of balance so yeah maybe you want to listen to that whisper in your heart but you also have to find a way to reconcile that with reality um it also i'm now thinking that whisper of the heart reminds me a lot of the geode metaphor with the rock so, yeah, because from the outside, it's just a dull rock. But then on the inside, if you just see just a little bit inside of there, there's, you know, this sparkly geode. Uh, and it reminds me that um, the grandpa, I keep calling him grandpa. What is his name? Shiro. Shiro. 
Sorry, Grandpa. I think he's also Mr. Nishi or something like that. Yeah, I think Nishi is Nishi. what um, one of the friends call him. Yeah. I th- oh, it's it's at the door too. That yeah, that's the name of the shop, isn't it? Um, yeah. So Mr. Nishi or Shiro. Shiro. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he tells her like, no one should expect perfection when they're first starting out, and so you know, uh, maybe that goes to show like, you know, sometimes you just gotta commit yourself. Uh, to something knowing that one day you'll unlock that inner potential Um, and maybe that's the little whisper in your heart is that potential you have so yeah there's a lot of good interpretations to it Um, it's very interesting I think the geode itself is another really good metaphor that I enjoyed Mm -hmm. I love that too I have a quote about that Um, the the grandpa (laughs) the grandpa also said uh, he said the rough stone is inside you you have to fight it and then polish it it's just like you have to know what you're Thailand about, but also get rid of what you like pick up during that process, like what you're not really into it or what you're not really good at it and how to fix it. So it's really interesting. It's so good. This movie was just full of metaphors and double meanings. Like I, I love something like that. So it wasn't the most action-packed movie. Uh, I thought it was going to be a little more fantasy than it ended up being, but I ended up being okay with that because I really enjoyed the themes, even if it was kind of more of a slow movie. Um, I, I, another metaphor I liked is that she spends a lot of time looking in one of those nonfiction books and it has the prisoner that's making the violin and she keeps going back to it. She looks at that picture a few times and I was trying to figure out like what was the significance of showing that over and over again because it was several times. Um, and kind of the best thing that I came up with that I think it might mean is that, you know, she, she is that prisoner making the violin because she has put herself in this situation where she really enjoys writing, but she's like forcing herself to do it. It's like become forced labor, like that prisoner. That prisoner may really enjoy making violins, but he's been put in a situation where it's just like his job and he's not maybe really inspired and loving it as much as he would if he was free. And so I kind of thought that was supposed to, in a way, reflect Shizuku as she was dedicating herself to writing that novel because, I mean, she wasn't eating, she wasn't really having a social life, she was neglecting her academics, um, her grades were really poor. Like, was it worth it? And her parents end up having that little intervention with her, and they even point out, like, because she says something like, it's not it's not good enough, and I think it's her father that's, or maybe it's the mother that says, good enough for what? Why do you need to prove yourself? Um, and so I think it's interesting because she, I, she put herself in that position to be the prisoner with the violin, I feel. It's like a, I feel like it was an allegory. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too deep into it. I love that idea, and it's making me think about the whole, like, all of the movies of uh, Studio Chipley compared to Miyazaki's movie. Like, so far, we watched two movies, and I feel like they both have a good themes, but somehow they're just not really popular compared to Miyazaki, and I still figure out we need a new, another podcast to talk about the whole thing, but I feel like... Um, a product just need to good enough for a specific community. Like this story, good enough for me, and Suzuku's story is good enough for the grandpa, because it's make him think about his own love story in the past. So it's just like it's good enough, but maybe it's not reach your expectation, but it's just like good at that moment. Yeah, I feel like a part of this film is that maybe teaching you that you know, your, your, I guess your initial expectations doesn't have to define how you end up feeling about the film as a whole. 
So I felt that way that this movie because I definitely went in with a different vibe. Because like if you look at the, look at the posters of Whisper of the Heart, uh, it's the scenes that come from her imagination when she's writing. So you know beforehand I didn't know that that was fake. I thought she's actually going on some fantasy adventure. So when my expectations didn't match the film, you know it could have been easy to just go, oh I don't like the film. That's not what I thought it was going to be about. But you know you stick with it, uh, and it ends up becoming polished uh so i don't know it's kind of like a weird double layer because that is the theme that shizuku is discovering herself um as well as maybe people watching the film so i don't know that's interesting yeah and i i do it is kind of hmm that it's not as popular as miyazaki's films i don't know if that has to do with the lack of action or what it is exactly yeah honestly i watch a lot but i still wonder like what made he pop out so much Compared to those, when I rewatch it again, honestly, they good, but they just not that good enough. I have no. no idea. It's good enough for me. I love it. Yeah, I I like that term, good enough. Uh, <laughs> since they are, con- and since Suzuki's constantly saying that I can never be good enough, I won't be good enough. Like, mate, that's not the attitude. Like, you are good enough, but you can build from there and be even greater. Um, and I feel like that's how I felt about this film, because, like, sometimes throughout it, I was like, hmm, I don't know if this was my favorite. But at the end, and reflecting on it now with you guys, like, I do appreciate it more, I think, because now I kind of see the whole picture, not just one timestamp of the film. But, yeah, maybe one more thing to talk about, unless y'all have any other things, but, um, the love story of Mr. Nishi, and kind of reflecting on that. Yeah. Do you want to say anything about it? Yes. Okay. So, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna first bring up. Uh, so when he was like sleeping and like he heard the door open and it was like the the girl that was in Germany, right? Germany. Uh, and then uh, he like woke up and was like, oh, that was just a dream. And then when he, that door opened again and he was like, oh, what the like, what, what's about to happen? But then it was just uh, Shizuku. Uh, I think when he told her the story about, like, the Baron, but, like, it was also about him, that um, one day uh, the the two set, the, the Baron, like, the statue is going to get his, like, like own love again. Like, it's going to come to him eventually, even if it's been so many years and stuff. So I think that also does reflect Shizuku and Seiji's, like, story of that he went away for all those months, but now he's back kind of thing. So maybe his story is like incomplete but their story is just going to be beginning so that's my kind of take on it Mm -hmm. i feel the same and i love it so much like i don't know that that what you said reminds me of something he said but i can't quite remember he tells her to have patience at one time i don't have an exact quote but just like um the woman said something right and then he just like like um I'm just too old now. Oh, Louise. Her name is Louise. Yeah. Yeah. In his uh, kind of dream, she comes in and he apologizes for having aged. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I guess it's hinted that they did not really see each other after that or if maybe she died. Because of the war. So I don't know if they lost, like, context or, like, did she die because of the war or what happening? It's not giving the context, but... Yeah, because he said that because of the war, like, he couldn't go. So then when he was finally allowed, he just could never find her. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously it was never said, like, oh, she died during the war or something. But he just never found her. So that's why I said, like, yeah, it's an incomplete, like, story for him. Because, you know, because he's gotten a lot older. And I'll be, to be honest, like, when they showed that scene, I thought, like, that was his final moment. Like, like he was, like, dying or something. Because that's when he was, like, saying, I'm getting, like, getting old. But then I realized, like, he was just visualizing, like, 
what he wanted and such. I thought that too, because I thought it was supposed to be a vision of his dead wife, but uh, then we realized that that's probably not the woman that he had kids with, because obviously he has, uh, say, Jesus' grandchild. Um, I Yeah, it's like sad that their story's incomplete and then also it's represented physically with the baron and baroness statues because they were never reunited but i think it just goes to show like how like why he like ends up caring about shizuku so much you know because she's just some random middle school girl that wandered into his store one day but you know she took something that means a lot to him the baron and created an entire story around it and he says um at the end um what was only a memory for me has gained new life thanks to your story. Yeah, I love it. And I feel that's the reason why he had like a strong connection with both Seiji and Shizuku because they're not complete. And um, they can complete like their story soon. It just take time. But it's also interesting to think back about his store. Like He, he also um, collect the clock and the clock reflect the story. It's also an incomplete love story. They never reach back to each other, right? The king just fall in love with the princess and she turned back into the ship after yeah. 12. I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's just like another sad, incomplete story. Also reflect on his past. Yeah, I wrote quotes down for that one. Um, I believe Shizuka asks him, are they in love? Um, and he, you know, kind of explains, but he says, but they live in different worlds. And it was so tragic. And then he says, the artisan who made this must have been disappointed in love. And, you know, it kind of makes me wonder, like, he probably wasn't the artisan, but, like, what if he was? <laughs> what if he had influence? Yeah, because he was kind of, I don't know if he was disappointed in love or not. Like, that's something I didn't really consider until now. Like, because uh, I would like to, as- I-, I would assume he wasn't satisfied with the way his and Luis's story ended. They never got to see each other again. But uh, I don't know. Regardless, Shizuku took something that was tragic and built like this fantastical, imaginative story around it to show that, like, you know, in reality, because we kind of been talking about reality versus dream. In reality, sometimes stories do end sometimes some in- incompletely, and we never get that closure. But we can use the power of imagination and art to kind of heal that, perhaps. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. But in fact, life is also an incomplete story. Yeah. So. Yeah, because you never know what's going to happen. And maybe that's, once again, reinforcing this theme that sometimes you just have to go along with stuff. You know, you don't don't have everything planned out because there's going to be holes in the story along the way. You can't expect it to be a perfectly paved road um you know and now that I said paved road I'm thinking back to the country road thing and I do kind of wonder like I I feel like there must be some sort of significance of why they pick that song um I know Shizuku mentions like you know I I don't know what it's like to uh be from a small hometown and travel back that road but she still is able to write the story I'm kind of wondering what the significance of that was or why they picked that song in the first place Maybe it's to show, like, because she didn't understand, really, this, the song's meaning. Because she's like, I'm not from a hometown, like a small town. I don't really understand the meaning. But she was still able to write a really good piece that they enjoyed singing. So, I don't know. Maybe there's another, like, lesson to be learned from that. I'm not quite sure what. Yeah. I don't know either. I, I'm not familiar with the song. So, it just like a song to me, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I was intrigued uh, 
when like they first like she first started singing it and stuff because I was like yeah why this song or something but also like it, within the story what is it just like an assignment she had to do because then like she I don't did she ever even like complete the song because I, I know they had that moment where they were playing um, the violin and like everybody came together and she started singing more but like I don't I don't know like because then she just transitioned into her writing her like novel. I, I think she did finish the song. I, I I don't know if it was an assignment, but she made it for, like, the choir at her school. Yeah, it's just for oh, yeah. an event for the teacher, I think. Okay. Yeah, something like that. I just feel like there is definitely some sort of meaning to that song, because it was a, a prominent thread throughout the movie. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Why did Whisper of the Heart use Country Roads? Oh, it came up immediately. Okay, let's see. Okay, well, I, here's the meaning of the song by John Denver. Um, it says, although it's specifically about West Virginia, the song's message of love and longing for a simpler way of life resonates with people from all over the world. Thinking. I don't know. So longing. That's definitely something she experiences in the movie. Yeah. And also the love uh, between the grandpa and the girl. It's also some different place. It's somehow match it. So hmm. so interesting. Yeah, I'm like I'm like just looking up stuff at this point. I'm curious. Hmm. So apparently it was extremely popular in Japan when it released in 1973. That was another question I had. What time period was this film supposed to be set in? Ninety-five. Well, that's when it came mm-hmm. out. No, or, no, was... maybe it was not. No, no, no. 1994, because there was a calendar that she was marking on. Oh. It was October oh. 1994. Oh my God! See, <laughs> you pay attention to details. Yeah, yeah. And, wow. Uh, sh- the day that she marked off was the 18th, so it was the 19th. Whenever that point, I don't remember what point that was at that, but yeah. I'm so impressed. How did you <laughs> notice that? Yeah, I usually notice a lot of like small detail, but he's the pro. Oh my gosh. Okay, next time, yeah, we're gonna need you just to point out like little Easter eggs and like small details. Mm-hmm. That, that is, like, your your job. Okay. Like, okay. you don't even need to think about themes, Brenton. Just find Easter eggs. Yeah, I'll be the guy to uh, to shake my head and smile, but then, like, oh, actually, that was, yeah, I yeah, got Yeah, just you to correct that. us, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's funny. I did not know that. Interesting. Um, I don't know. Regardless, it, it, the song felt fitting. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, unless you guys have something else. I think we plan a lot between themes and the way we analyze the characters. So unless you have something else, or we can move to the ranking. I think I'm good. What about you, Brenton? Yeah, I'm, I'm down to go to the ranking. Okay, so um, what ranking do you going to rate for this movie? Like, I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5 because it's a really great story really cute it's not going to be my favorite ghibli movie um but i really enjoyed the themes and it's kind of it's something that universally everyone experiences trying to find find out what you're passionate about and learning how to balance that passion with also just taking care of yourself and then of course the young love was just very very nostalgic and just heartwarming so yeah i'm gonna it's a solid four to five for me I'm like, I was going to give it, because, like, basically, we, we split it into, like, two days, basically. Because, like, we wa- all watched it, like, the first, like, an hour or so, and then we watched, like, I watched, like, the second half. So, since I didn't know what was going on initially, I was pro- I would probably give it maybe, a like, a slight three. But since the movie's out finished and I, like, I, I, we've obviously uh, uh, discussed, like, themes and stuff, I'll, yeah, I'll give it, like, a, like, a 
but 3.84 somewhere around that i wasn't going to get really specific but like yeah like i mean it's it's my first ever one so you know there will probably be better ones but like the yeah the themes that we've talked about like how you can relate to you know all when i was 14 15 like things like that you can you know be like wow that's 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 real yeah i'm gonna give it a 4.5 honestly because i already watched it before but i didn't pay attention to the detail like obviously i'm just in Suzuku mood like okay that's my friend she exactly looked like how I am because I also watched this movie in middle school so it's it's not a lot of thing to reflect on but from now rewatch it again it just nostalgic familiar to what I've been through and also reflect on my current day like at the university studying for finals and figure out what I'm going to do with my future it's just like a great movie and it's it's good enough for me I'm gonna repeat it again but I love it great film so yeah every time we do these ratings I usually like write down an average so I'm gonna put four since you rated it a little lower you rated it a little higher um problem I have forgotten how to draw a star but I usually draw like this. I don't know. Wait. <laughs> can you draw it for me, Betty? <laughs> now it is complete. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I I draw I draw stars weird. Okay. That that was really off topic. Um, if you listen through this whole thing, we appreciate you. Thank you for hanging out with us and just talking about a good Ghibli film. Uh. We hope that you'll listen to more uh, podcast episodes by us. So, so far we've done a lot. We have a lot of content out, so definitely go and look back. Uh, we did all of Miyazaki's work previously, so we have all of his movies done, except The Boy and the Heron, yeah. which, um, je- or wh- How Do You Live, um, which is coming out or just came out um, in the States. So that's definitely something we're going to try to watch before we go home for break, and hopefully we can get a little recording in and get it edited. But yeah. So you have that to look forward to. Yep. Stay tuned. And we got to be back soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.